as the children of God as far as holiness is concerned. People ought to be embarrassed often how they live. They ought to feel ashamed. They ought to feel just as low as a person could feel and be because of their lack of a holy character. In this area, if anybody's going to be holy, it ought to be Landmark Baptist Church. And we ought not to be satisfied to leave holiness to the holiness people and others who make much of it in certain areas, not all. But it ought to be our desire that we live a holy life as it accompanies our witness of Jesus Christ. Because our text tells us and warns us that if that's not the case, then our testimony as far as the saving grace of God can be destroyed and uh, make us a pretty useless person uh, in this life. Now, in verse 15 it said, Under the pure all things are pure, and unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. You know, we live in a world where the conscience of people out there, their, their minds, their, uh, their thinking, and their action is wicked, and it's wicked every day. 24 hours a day. The vileness of man uh, cannot be uh, escaped. We're around it. We, we see it. And beloved friends, I'm afraid that uh, it affects us uh, because of our uh, attitude toward it. That we don't shun it. We don't turn away from it. We don't avoid it. But many times we'll dive right in there and uh, and join right in, so to speak. It's filth. Vile. Corrupt. In this world. And we've got no business while we must live beside the world and around the world. We've got no business uh, living with the world and uh, and joining in and sinning right along with them. It said of the wicked that they profess that they they know God. You can't follow the unsaved, false professor's idea of what holiness is. You can't say, well, these so-called Christians down here, uh, you know, they, they get involved in all this stuff. I guess it would be all right for me to get involved in it. No. No, they're, they're not our uh, examples. 
And we're not to follow them in sin. Many times we find that to be the case. Abominable, disobedient, unto every good work, reprobate. That's serious stuff. God takes holiness a whole lot more serious than you and I do. The holy God of heaven was nailed there on that tree at Calvary because of sin. He suffered like no man suffered. And not only in the flesh, but uh, his soul was uh, affected, affected and uh, his soul was judged by the Heavenly Father and he suffered the equivalent of the hell that all of the elect would suffer. That's serious business. That's nothing to joke about. That's nothing to laugh about. That's nothing to treat as some secondary uh, doctrine. And hasn't it become some secondary doctrine? I don't know what you expected me to preach when I came down. Oh, maybe Brother Doug, he'll, maybe he'll preach on election. Maybe he'll preach on something on the church. Maybe he'll uh, you know, do something on prophecy. What about holy living? We need that. It'll change us. It'll change us all. It'll change our churches. It'll change our communities. If we straighten up. So he gives, mentions some things. Uh, there in chapter 2. And there are six things that are brought out that I want us to look at. In verse 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Talking to a Christian yesterday, and he said something that I couldn't believe he said. I couldn't believe he said it. The words that came out of his mouth, I couldn't believe he said it. It was unbecoming of a child of God. And not only that, but it was unbecoming of sound doctrine. Now I mentioned this social media, Facebook, such. You know, Facebook is a troubling thing. I look on Facebook and I hear people say things that don't become sound doctrine. I hear them say things that a child of God ought not to say. But it doesn't bother. We need God to bother us. And if these things, if 
That kind of talk doesn't bother you. I hope it will. I hope it will. It's that filthy talk that goes on. Our speech needs to be that which becomes sound doctrine. Our speech ought to be such that that glorifies God, that magnifies Christ the Redeemer, that glorifies Him, and certainly not language of the world. It's amazing what people will do. And it seems like there's no shame. No shame with some people. Some people, you wonder about nothing. You ever see somebody on that thing and watch them and listen to them and think to yourself, are are they saved? Would a saved person do that? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Well, if it makes you wonder, what does the world think when uh, they see uh, a member of a sound church acting like that? What does the world think? Well, the world thinks, well, maybe, maybe I'm not such a bad sinner. That's the testimony they give. Maybe I'm not such a bad sinner. Maybe I've got a chance to, to, to go to heaven. You know, they think that. Live a life that becomes sound doctrine. Speak like a child of God. First. In verse 5, he brought up concerning women to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. God forbid that you and I live in such a way that the world would blaspheme God. You know, it's our duty and our responsibility to live in such a way that people look to God as being holy and righteous and that they see themselves as sinners, not that we live in a way that God's a sinner just like us. That's that's what kind of God the world likes, a sinner just like them. But God is higher. He's separate, far above us sinners. In our speech, in our actions, we we need to preach that in how we live. The women uh, were to be uh, in such a behavior that uh, becomes holiness, it says. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of uh, good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. The older women need to be teaching the younger women that maybe the way they're living is not right, not biblical. You say, well, I don't want to 
interfere. I don't want to get involved in all that. Well, I'm sorry when you became a church member, God involved you. He involved you. I see lots of times uh, when churches have uh, separate Sunday school classes and they divide all up, they, lots of times the women, they might be teaching on the temple or the tabernacle or, or uh, sovereign grace or something. How's about teaching the younger women how they ought to live a godly life? How they ought to look and how they ought to walk and how they ought to dress and how they ought to treat their husbands and how they ought to raise their children. Aren't those things important anymore? Well, they were so important that uh, Titus is instructed here on on how to do these things and to keep these things up. These things are so important that God put him in his word and we're to uh, follow these examples. So older women know some things. Well, they ought to know some things. And younger women ought to look to older women who know some things and listen to them and follow their example. You know as well as I do that things have uh, slackened up, that uh, things aren't like they used to be. and People have a completely different idea. Of these things. Well, if it doesn't magnify God, and if it brings blasphemy from the lips of sinners, then certainly people are in the wrong. Well, man, he can't. If he wants to do right, he can't go to the beach because there's naked women down there. You know that as well as I do. Well, Brother Doug, that's the way they dress now. Well, when did nakedness become holiness? And if you can explain that to me, I'll go along with you. If you can explain and convince me that nakedness is holiness, I'll agree with you and say I was wrong. But I don't think you can. Same way with men. There's no difference. Uh, men ought to dress in a holy manner. A lot of men don't care. They go out, little old shorts on, no shirt on, go right out in public right there, you know, and everybody talking and going on. And, uh, you know, the whole community watching that, blaspheming God because of that. Is that what we've become? 
Is that what we do? I say we stick with the Bible. Verse 8, he says, Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. You ought to want to live such a life that people don't have anything to say bad about you except you go to church and you believe God and you believe the Bible and you raise your family right and all these things and let them talk all they want to on that if that's what they want to talk about. But don't live in such a way that what they're saying about you is true. Don't go out here and cheat somebody and then brag about it and everybody in town know about it and everybody's talking about it. Don't let that be true. They're going to talk about you, people will, and they'll, they'll lie about you, but don't give them something to talk about you that's true, that's bad. That's what that means. Verse 10, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. We ought to dress in the doctrine of God. You know, people say, well, I don't know what to wear. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's proper to wear. You know, I think the Holy Spirit tells us that many times and we just don't want to hear it. We'll go to the wardrobe and we'll say, well, I'm going to wear this. Uh, you know, it uh, doesn't matter how rough it looks. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what how revealing it is. It doesn't matter if it makes me look like a thug. I'm going to Wear it anyway. And there's a still small voice in there that says, no, you ought, to, you ought not wear that. And God's people ignore that. I believe there's still Holy Spirit conviction among God's people. I believe we have His indwelling and I believe He leads us in these things, but we just say no. No. I'll not do it. I'll not uh, uh, be under submission in that way. I'm going to do whatever I want. So our advisor is God and our example is God and we are to adorn ourselves with the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. That pertains to all things. That pertains to everything you do in this life. You don't drop off holiness and righteousness to do certain things. You know, sometimes certain things get in the way, don't they? And sometimes in certain things we got to act like the world 
to be involved in it, well, that ought to tell something right there that we shouldn't be involved with. In all things adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. You walk downtown lines here and you're walking down the street, uh, you ought to be such a person that people would say, uh, that, that one there, they're probably a Christian. That runs through your mind, doesn't it? You see people and you say, well, they're probably a Christian. The way they act. Shame on us if, if people don't say that about us. In verse 13, he says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Say, why should I even be worried about this? Well, Brother Paul, he preaches this all the time. We don't need to hear this again. We need to hear it quite often. I believe. I do. You do. Because we slip. And we give up and we give in. The people give in and the preachers give in and then all of a sudden, there you go. And those things that once were are now just something in the past. When we all give in and we all give up. But we're looking for that blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. What does that mean? Well, simply Jesus Christ died for our sins and we owe it to Him to live a godly life. As, uh, as, as much as life in us. That's old wicked sinners saved by grace that still have that old man lingering around and giving us trouble from time to time. We need to fight that. Didn't Paul, he fought that inner man, didn't he? He said it was a struggle and a fight, and he fought that way. Sometimes we just, we just don't fight. And certainly, holiness is something worth fighting for. Verse 15 Notice this, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. I've got every right to say what I said this evening. Every right. Not one person can tell me I didn't have a right to say that. Not one person can tell me I was out of line for saying anything that I said. person can get 
man or a person can say uh, whatever they want, but nobody can say I didn't have a right because the Bible says I have all authority to say this. All authority from God. And when you all raised your hand and said, I could preach down here, that gave me authority from this church to say. We got all kinds of authority. Let no man despise thee. That word despise in the Greek, that doesn't mean uh, uh, be angry at. That word means silence. Let no man silence thee. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't speak out against unholy living. Don't let anybody. Let no man despise you. Don't let the government despise you. Don't let uh, whoever silence you. You've got authority to speak that. And if we're going to throw that doctrine away, if we're going to throw the doctrine of holiness away, I don't know what would become of us. What would we be? We wouldn't look like uh, any different than uh, anyone else out there. Don't let anybody tell you to shut up. So just keep on preaching. Keep on preaching. One of the best things your pastor can preach to you is holy living and often I know he does I know he does and he does that because he loves you and he cares for your soul I'll tell you if you give this up it'll ruin you it'll ruin your life May God help us all. May God help me. And may God help you to have an earnest desire to live for Christ. Be holy in all things. God help us.